This podcast was produced by Big Night Media, a proud partner of Big Night Entertainment. Hey, you know what? It's really fun to be here. Y'all know that theme music. <laughs> What's up, what's up, what's up, what's up? How we doing, how we doing? And welcome to episode 144, episode 144 of the Banner Banter Podcast. I am your host and favorite Boston Celtics season ticket holder, Timmy G. How's everyone doing? Hope you had a super duper weekend. You can find me on the Twitter machine at Banner Banter 18 or on Facebook and Instagram at Banner Banter Podcast. And as you know, I'm part of the Big Night Media Squad with some terrific podcasts like Eat the Damn Cake, Drinks After Work, Those Girls You Know, The Marky P Show, Boston Uncommon with Joe Maz, It's Always Something with JD, Let's Be Clear with Kayla, Burnt Toast, I'm the promoter, he's the DJ, uh, what else, oh, 30 Flirty and Surviving is returning, so go check out that, Music You're Missing, and A Chance to Strive, they also have Big Night Breaks, if you love sports cards, go check out Big Night Breaks, go to their card store down at Patriot Place, card the, called the uh, Card Vault, and Timmy Ticket Tuesday, if you're into free tickets, every Tuesday, go to the Big Night Live Instagram page and you may see a familiar face and you can win yourself some free tickets to the wonderful venue that is Big Night Live. And don't forget to go get your Banner Banter Podcast merchandise at BigNightShop.com. All right, let's recap the week. Let's recap this West Coast road trip. Five games, they won one of them. They went one and four in their West Coast trip. The previous week, they lost to the Jazz and beat the Trailblazers. But last week, they lost to the Lakers, 117-102, to which made me very angry. I hate losing to the Lakers probably more than um, anything in the entire world. Uh, they also lost to the Los Angeles Clippers, who did not have Paul George. So that was also beyond infuriating, 114-111. And then they lost to the Phoenix Suns, 111-90, which isn't surprising because the Phoenix Suns are ridiculous. So... As it stands, as of right now, the Boston Celtics are 13-14, and 14, currently third in the Atlantic Division, two games behind the Philadelphia 76ers, who, you know, just a few weeks ago, what was that, right after Thanksgiving? or Yeah, I think it was the Wednesday after Thanksgiving. They beat the Philadelphia 76ers. You were feeling good about the Celtics. They were a game ahead of the Philadelphia 76ers, and now they're two games behind them in the Atlantic Division division and oh yeah by the way the philadelphia 76ers beat steph curry and the golden state warriors the other day so that's not great yeah they beat them on saturday so that's really not ideal so overall the celtics are currently 10th in the eastern conference and they are two and a half games behind the cleveland cavaliers for the fifth seed i'm going to give you a second right now and see if you can actually name one player on the cleveland cavaliers you ready go see you probably didn't really think of anything Nothing really came to mind. Bet you the first person that came to your mind was LeBron James or Kyrie Irving or Kevin Love or Sean Kemp or Brad Doherty, Mark Price. You know, the list goes on and on. But the Cleveland Cavaliers, one of the worst teams in the NBA last year, 
are the fifth seed in the Eastern Conference. And I understand it's early. It's 27 games in out of an 82-game season. But that's not great, Bob. That's not great. The Celtics should be in the fifth seed. The Cavs should be in the tenth seed. And we'll get to that in a little bit. This week, mm, yikes. doesn't really get any easier for the Boston Celtics. But here's to hoping Jalen's coming back. Ime Adoka said that he was going to come back uh, today. I'm recording on Sunday. So he said he was coming back. The injury report that the Celtics tweeted out saying that he will be available. I'll believe it when I see it. But the Celtics schedule does not get any easier. And we could be... uh, (sighs) There are some dark times coming up for the Boston Celtics. Possibly. I'm not saying definitely. All I'm saying is there is a possibility that there are going to be some really, really dark times for the Boston Celtics ahead. Because they start tonight, if you are listening on Monday. I said today, recording on Sunday. But now if you're listening on Monday, I'm saying tonight, get over it. It's my podcast. Monday, they play the Milwaukee Bucks at TD Garden at 7.30. So, obviously nice that they're going to be at home, but it's the Milwaukee Bucks. Giannis is healthy. Milton's healthy. Drew Holiday's healthy. Not great, Bob. And then they get three days off, which will just be delightful because then Steph Curry and the Golden State Warriors come to town at 7.30 on Friday. And then they have to play the second night of a back-to-back, second night of a back-to-back but it is at home, and that's against the New York Knicks at 7 p.m. That game is also at the Garden. So, three home games this week. Now... You know me, I'm probably the most positive Celtics fan you know. I scream positivity. They call me Positive Timmy all the time. They call me PT. Yeah, no no joke. They call me PT in Section 315. I just shout positivity every single opportunity that I can. And um, so here's my stretch of positivity for you. The Celtics, their next 22 games, 16 of those games are at home. Now, for those of you that can't do any math, that means only six of those games are on the road. They are 6-4 and four this year, which, again, isn't great. But, hey, it's better than being 7-10 and 10 on the road, which they are. So if the Celtics can play better at home, stay healthy, and beat some basketball teams, they got a shot. Now, who's part of this? Philadelphia 76ers, Cleveland Cavaliers, Phoenix Suns, San Antonio Spurs, all teams that they've uh, either lost to or rarely have beaten this year. So not great, but... There's a lot of home games on the way. 16 out of 22 of their next games are going to be at home. I don't know where else you can search for positivity. Of course, Jalen Brown coming back is obviously a positive thing for the Celtics. Let's let's be serious. But at the same time, yeah, I don't know, folks. It's really not looking great. They're just not in a good place. So the question is, what is the issue? Is it the defense? Is it the offense? Is it the shooting? Is it the rebounding? Is it the ball movement? Is it stupid turnovers? Is it the coaching? Is it the players? Is it the front office? Is it the locker room? I don't know. First off, let me just say, for those of you that didn't think my take on maybe it's not the coach was too hot of a take, I think that take was spot on. Now, I get that it's Ime's first year. The defense has improved. But let me tell you this right now. When the defense sucks, holy motherfucking guacamole, does the defense suck. So why is it good sometimes and why is it bad some other times? Is it effort? Is it communication? Is it the scheme? Because it kind of seems like if one guy does one bad thing in Ime's defensive setup or scheme or whatever the hell you want to call it, system, plays, whatever... It seems like when one guy fucks up, the whole thing goes to shit. And that is horrifying. It, 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 it really is. But when it works, it's really good. It's so much better than it was last year and the previous year, etc., etc. So I don't know. I don't want to blame the defense, but it, defense is also an effort thing. I feel like anyone can 
know that if you watch the game of basketball, there is more effort put on the defensive end than the offensive end. I feel like the offensive end is probably more of a mental mindset. You need to be really confident. But the, ugh. I feel like I'm going to spiral this episode. I'm going to try my best not to because I think my therapist would be pissed. But we're, we're going to try and say positive. And listen, I know these next bunch of topics that I'm about to bring up. I talked about a little bit in episode 141, which was what, three, four weeks ago. Who even knows what math is? But we really need to figure out what's going on with this team. What can be fixed? Can anything be fixed? Will it be fixed? I don't know. So the Celtics score 108 points per game on average, which is 15th best in the NBA, which is the middle of the road. And that is the last place in the NBA you, you want to be in. You either want to be in the top five or six teams or the bottom three or four teams you do not want to be anywhere in the middle like it's a song from zed you you just don't want it you just don't want it to happen you do not want to be in the middle of the road in the nba you cannot name one really good middle of the road team nba or in the nba like the heat are a good team the bucks are a good team the nets are a good team you know who's in the middle of the road, the Philadelphia 76ers. You know who's in the middle of the road? The Boston Celtics. You know who's in the middle of the road? The Charlotte Hornets. Teams like that. And then you look in the Western Conference. You have the Suns. You have the Warriors. You have the Jazz. Those are the top three. You don't want to be the Nuggets. You don't want to be the Mavericks. Sure, they have Luka and, you know, they could be a four or five seed. But at the end of the day, you want to suck. You you want to be the Magic. You want to be the Pistons where you can build young talent and just be patient. I know it sucks, but you do not want to be in the middle of the road. So to score 108 points a game on average, which is 15th best, really isn't an ideal situation. They are shooting 44% from the field, which is 8th worst in the league. So 15th best in scoring, 8th worst in overall shooting. So maybe it's the offense. They're shooting 33% from 3, which is also 8th worst in the league. So right then and there, it's okay. The defense has improved a little bit, and the offense has taken a step back. But if the offense was what it was maybe last year or the year before that, they may be in a better position. I mean, they're shooting 21 free throws a game, which is third best. And if you've listened to this podcast for the first, second, or third year, this is the fourth year I've been doing it, I always bitch and moan about how they never get to the free throw line. And now they are getting to the free throw line, and they're shooting 81% from the line, which is second best in the NBA. So that's good. So keep going to the free throw line. Now, they get 10 offensive rebounds every single game on average, which is 10th best. They get 35 defensive rebounds, which is also 10th best. And then overall, they get about 46 per game, which is 8th best in the league. So you're like, okay, rebounding's always been okay. And now it's getting good. And it's getting better. So you're content with that. But then... What did I talk about last year all the time? It Minus probably complaining about Romeo Langford and number 12, etc., etc. The Celtics had a ridiculous record when they had 25 assists or more. I forget what it was. I could probably scroll back and maybe look at some of the stats that I typed down here and there. But the Celtics were like 25-2, and 26-4, something along those lines whenever they had 20, 25 assists or more. They're averaging 22 assists this year, which is 10th worst in the NBA. So it feels like they can rebound the ball and hit their free throws, but they can't pass the ball and they can't shoot the ball once it gets passed to them. 
They have 13 turnovers a game, which is actually in the middle, which, again, you really can't complain about. You don't want to have the most turnovers, but, of course, you don't. You would love to have the least, but I think we all know with a point guard like Schroeder or Marcus Smart, it, it may not be a thing where you're going to have you know few amount of turnovers. Now, those are just your traditional stats. If we want to go over with the nerds in the analytics, the Celtics have the 10th worst offensive rating. Last year, they they had the top, I think the ninth or 10th best offensive rating. So they've literally gone from top 10 to bottom 10 on offense. But last year, their defense was bottom 10, and now their defense is in the top 10. Net rating is 13th, again, middle of the road. And then they have the 11th slowest pace in the NBA. That sucks. That means they are playing real slow. That means they're playing a lot of iso ball. That means they're not pushing the ball and running. And I always say run, run, run. And they're just not doing that right now. So the defense with the nerds and the analytics and all that stuff, you could say to yourself, okay, they're there. They're getting there. And then you look at the defense and you're like, I mean, you look at the offense and you're like, why has it taken such a huge dip? Now, Ime is a defensive-minded coach. Brad Stevens was clearly an offensive-minded coach. So it's like, can Brad just maybe sprinkle some of his offensive sets that I know a lot of people complained about? But I'll tell you this right now. If you didn't like Brad Stevens as a coach, fine, whatever. I don't agree with you. You're dumb. But you got to admit that watching Ime Adoka's offense is so much worse than watching Brad Stevens' offensive systems. Oh my God, I can't stand it. It's, ugh, it makes you want to pull your eyes out sometimes. Now, can there be more movement? Can there be more like movement without the ball, movement with the ball, the whole shebang? And I, I know for whatever reason, whenever this Celtics team sees a 2-3 zone, I don't care if it's the coach, the players, the front office, the fans, everyone just seems to poop themselves. And I don't get it. It's just a 2-3 zone. I saw it in third grade. I'm sure they saw it when they were four years old, when they were already six feet tall. But like, I don't know. It's so, so the question now, oh, and, and here's the other thing that we also got to talk about that I forgot to mention, I don't know, three, four, five minutes ago. Thanks for still listening. Here's the thing. The Celtics, even though they, their next 22 games, 16 of those are at home, like I mentioned, they have the 10th easiest schedule left. So I feel like there's a lot of things on their side, but so much also has to be fixed. So it's like, which one is going to, which domino is going to fall first? Is it going to be this, all the home games, all the, the easy, all the easy teams that they're going to be playing, or is it going to be the actual team coming together and playing basketball? So so what is going to happen with this basketball team? Is it time to blow it up? Do we just have to be realistic that Jalen Brown being out for this long has affected them? And if he does come back, it, it could make that much of a difference. Or is it too late? That's the thing we may have to talk about. You, you, It's just so frustrating. It really and truly is. Because you don't want to blow it up. I, you know, I was there when they lost 18 games in a row before they got Kevin Garnett. I don't want to do that again. I don't want to blow this up. I don't want to lose Jason Tatum. I don't want to lose Jalen Brown. I don't want to lose two All-Stars. We've already lost so many goddamn All-Stars. Hayward, Kyrie, stand by your man Marcus Morris, which was great to see him, by the way, in L.A. But, oh, we've, ugh. I mean, Terry Rozier. I mean, Terry Rozier is a, a legit NBA player. He really is. He's good now. But, you, you like, you, I don't know. Can you, can you sense that I'm frustrated? I hope you can. Because you may think... You may think that the Celtics should blow it up, which is fair. But in what way? 
what has to change? What is going to happen? Scoring-wise, getting Jalen Brown back, of course, that's great. Tatum doesn't have to carry such a huge workload. Defensively, sure, absolutely, Jalen can Jalen can guard really any position one through four. Sometimes he can guard a five, depending on who it is. But other people have to contribute on this basketball team outside of Jalen and Jason. So who's it going to be? What is going to happen? It's This week could be so bad for the Celtics. The Celtics could be 13-17 and 17 at the end of this week. Four games below 500 for a team that has a new coach that everyone wanted, a front office guy that half the people wanted and the other half didn't, a good free agent signing in Dennis Schroeder, a good trade. You know, if you look at the Al Horford-Kemba Walker trade, the Celtics won that trade by a freaking mile. Maybe, because they also had to give out a first-round pick. You know, would another young guy on this team be a good thing? I don't know. But Jalen coming back is good. I will say that within the 75 minutes that Rob, Marcus, Jalen, Jason, and Al Horford have played together, they've been unreal. They have a 108 offensive rating and an 87 defensive rating, and they're a plus 21 net rating. And it's only happened in seven games this year. And I bet you every single time those guys played, they've probably won at least 60% of the games. I'd have to go back and look. But Rob can only do so much on the offensive end. You really can't complain about him. He's been terrific defensively. He's grown up so much. Also, side note, I know the Pacers want to kind of blow it up a little bit, and they may want to move Turner and Sabonis. I know that Danny Ainge didn't like Miles Turner. Maybe Brad Stevens didn't like Miles Turner, but... Danny Ainge did. But if Brad does, I will say this. Defensively, I'll give I'll give all the credit in the world to Rob. Rob's a better defender. I don't care about block stats. I think Rob's a better defender than Miles Turner. But whew, Miles Turner is a lot better. Um, and, and I'll say that again, a lot better than Rob Williams. He can hit threes. His mid-range game is suspect, but he can hit three-pointers. He can spread the floor. He can help these guys. I don't know. I mean... Al, of course, Al Horford, of course, is good some days, and then he has some bad days, but is it time to get away from the double big starting lineup? Is that, I mean, Ime Adoka was talking about how he wants to make some change, so is that where the change is coming from? Does he get away from the double big, but then who fills in the role? Are you really going to start Schroeder, Smart, Jason, Jalen, and Rob, and then have Al come off the bench with Neesmith and Grant Williams and... All that stuff. Yeah, I said Grant Williams. He played a good, he, hey, another solid week for Grant Williams. I'm not going to complain. Number 12, it, number 12 could go away. Um, he's still there, but it, it, it could go away. You know, Josh Richardson has been solid as of late. He's a nice piece off the bench. He has COVID right now, which sucks, and I wish him all the best. Hope he's doing okay. And so it's just who's going to contribute? Who is going to make this team better? Of course, Jalen Brown coming back is going to do that. But will, can number 12 do that? Can Aaron Neesmith do that? Can Romeo do that? Can Peyton do that? I mean, you can't be mad at them that they aren't getting minutes. They aren't veterans. They can't turn it on whenever they want. They need reps, and they're just not doing it. And, you know, Ennis Freedom Cantor or Ennis Cantor Freedom, whatever the heck his name is now, sure, great, cool, whatever. Bruno Fernando ain't doing anything. So, are they just like a – are they just a rock in a hard place right now? I don't know. I don't know, but there are two players that I really didn't mention in that little spiel, and they're going to be our stud and dud of the week, so hit the music. And now, it is time for the Celtics stud and the Celtics dud of the week. 
Hey, your stud and dud of the week for episode 144 of the Banner Banter Podcast. Now, this is how I'm going to kind of play it out. It's not going to be for last week, but it's going to be kind of over the last couple weeks, and I'll explain why, or you'll understand why once you listen. So we are going to start at the Raptors game where Jason Tatum went 2 of 16 and Marcus Smart scored 21 points, had 8 rebounds and 6 assists. So since that point, Jason Tatum has been an absolute stud. So I just want to say thank you to Jason Tatum. He was terrific on that West Coast road trip. I don't know what else the kid can do on this basketball team. He's been making passes. People are missing shots. He's gotten, you know, in that Raptors game where he shot 2 of 16, he had 10 assists in that game. His rebound numbers are ridiculous. His free throw numbers are going up. I don't know what else the kid can do. But over the last six games, Jason Tatum is averaging about 35 minutes a game. He's shooting 48% from the field, 37% from three, which is an ideal. He's getting to the line eight times a game, nine boards, three assists, and he's scoring exactly 30 points a game. He is taking better shots. Sure, the step backs are there, especially the three-pointers. Those are, I don't want to say they're going away. It's just not as noticeable. He's going to the rim more, making better passes. You you just want some more fire out of the guy. I, I just want Jason Tatum one of these days to go back to the bench and absolutely lose his goddamn mind on his teammates and flip out. And so everyone's just like, holy shit, Jason Tatum just yelled at us and he's so cool calm and collective that never happens we really have to go so i just want jason tatum to care more about winning and care more about his teammates than he does the officials when they miss a call and i know jason tatum cares about winning i know he's not a selfish player but he's just got to show a little bit more fire away from the officials and towards his team and then the dud in my opinion is marcus smart and i get it but he's not and he's not a stat sheet guy he does so much in other ways That's true. You're not wrong there if you're angry at what I just said. I get it. He hustles. He dives. He communicates well on defense. The list goes on and on. He can cover multiple positions. But what also doesn't show up are the cute, dumb, idiotic passes, the adorable, stupid shots that either turn into turnovers or miss shots, and those type of things are affecting this basketball team. Since he scored 21 points versus the Raptors, he's shooting 35% from the field, 25% from three, three boards, four assists, two steals, 10 points a game, and is a minus three. And for those of you, well, what about Tatum? Tatum's even. Tatum's, the the team doesn't get better. The team doesn't get worse when Tatum's on the floor over the last six games. Marcus Smart versus the Suns was one of 13 and had zero assists. That is your starting point guard. But let me guess, he did such a great job on Chris Paul and switched and did all that stuff. Marcus Smart has made two three-pointers in the last 16 that he's taken. He has taken over four games. Like, that's over a a four-game span, I think. Yeah, it's over a four-game span. So why does he keep shooting the ball? Maybe the change that Ime Adoka makes is you put Marcus Smart on the bench and start Schroeder. Um, maybe. But that could mean Marcus Smart is shooting more, but you don't want that. But... For all the Marcus Smart fans out there, you could counter and say that when Dennis Schroeder's in the starting lineup, the Celtics are a minus 18. And the Celtics are outscoring their opponents when Marcus Smart is on the floor by 10 points. So it's just like, which one is it? Like, that's why this team is so weird this year. Because you're like, oh, Schroeder's definitely better when the Celtics are definitely better when Schroeder's on the floor. He is, but when he starts, they suck. And then when Marcus Smart does stupid shit like uh, shoot one of 13 and have zero assists as your th- starting point guard, he they outscore other teams by 10. I don't get it. Now, listen, I'm not blaming this on Marcus Smart, but I test-wise, this team isn't a great look, especially with it being his first year as a starting point guard. But statistically, with the nerds and, the, and all the analytics, he's actually been a good starting point guard. 
And right now, Marcus Smart is day-to-day with a non-COVID illness. Hope he's okay. Clearly, something's going wrong around with the team because uh, I think it was last week or a couple weeks ago, Rob Williams and Josh Richardson also had non-COVID illnesses. So if Marcus Smart is out and Jalen is back and the Celtics beat the Bucks, what's the story going to be? Like, in all honesty, what is the story going to be? Because I promise you this right now, it will not be the return of Marcus Smart. It will be, why did the Celtics play so well without Marcus Smart? Now, if they get absolutely washed and Jalen comes back, <laughs> oh, I feel like there's going to be anarchy in the streets for sure. So let's talk about um, the upcoming week. I'm not going to do uh, canter banter this week because I don't think he did that great. Um, or I'm sorry, freedom banter. I feel like I, I still haven't thought of a, of a new name for for the segment but you know whatever it's my podcast i can do what i want thanks so much for listening uh but let's just preview the upcoming week obviously tonight if you're listening on monday thanks so much for listening thanks for subscribing and if you haven't subscribed please subscribe on uh google uh you can subscribe on google uh apple spotify the the whole shebang there's so many different podcasts there's so many different ways to subscribe and listen to this podcast so thank you in advance I really appreciate it. It means a lot that you're still listening. So tonight, 7.30 p.m., TD Garden versus the Bucks. The last time the Celtics and Bucks played, the Celtics won 122-113. Giannis didn't play in that game. Middleton didn't play at that game. And you also needed overtime to beat them. So, um, yeah, not great, Bob. Not great at all. I'm still trying to figure out how many uh, rebounds Cantor got. Uh, he got a total of 10. Yeah, I think I'm going to make a new rule that if Ennis... Cantor Freedom doesn't get more than 10 rebounds, then we're not going to do Cantor Banter, and I'll probably forget that next week. But Giannis didn't play. Middleton didn't play. You needed overtime. That's not ideal. But Jalen also didn't play. So if Jalen plays in this game, Middleton plays in this game, that's kind of a wash. Can someone control Giannis? Can we expect Schroeder to drop? Oh, I think I have to sneeze. Oh, boy. Do I have to? The drama, the suspense. Um, I don't think I do. Okay. Now. No Giannis, no Middleton, no Jalen. But can we also expect Dennis Schroeder to drop 38 points? Him and Tatum took a combined 52 shots in that game the last time that they played in November. And the rest of the team took 44 shots. That's it. So they those two took more than the rest of the team combined. Is Ime going to create a wall to stop Giannis? Is Tatum going to waste all of his effort on the defensive end, making sure Middleton doesn't kill us? Because... I don't think Ime probably wants Jalen Brown running around that much, especially since he's supposedly 100%. We'll see about that. Will we have a different starting lineup after his comments the other day? I don't know. I mean, his comments the other day were, were pretty straightforward. It's been 25 games. We haven't been great. Something's going to have to change. So what's that change going to be? I don't know. Now, the Bucks going into Sunday's game. I really haven't looked at today's or um, Sunday's schedule yet. Uh, of the scoreboard and all that, but they've won 11 out of 13. That's including being the Lakers, the Heat, the Cavs, the Hornets, the Nuggets, and the Pacers. All pretty reasonable teams. So it's a big game. I think the Celtics are home. Hopefully they're relaxed over their West Coast road trip, but this is an important game, and I hope the players realize that like, if they lose this, it's, oh, oh boy. Because having three days off after a loss and then having to play the team with the best record in the NBA, not ideal at all. All right, Friday night, let's talk about it. TD Garden, 7.30 p.m. on ESPN. In my opinion, the best team in the NBA, the Golden State Warriors. For whatever reason, maybe the basketball gods just love the Celtics more than the Warriors, but the Celtics have actually won five games in a row versus the Warriors, and they only play each other twice a year. So the Warriors haven't beat the Celtics in like 
two or th- I, I think three years. Pretty crazy, but not this year. I mean, I'll be honest. I don't see that happening. And listen, I hope I'm wrong. I hope you come back and be like, that kid, Timmy G from Banner Banter, what an idiot. But what the Warriors are doing right now is unbelievable. They're doing everything right. They play defense. They run. They make the extra pass. They like playing with each other. They have a go-to guy in Steph Curry. They trust their coach in Steve Kerr. They have young guys like Jordan Poole who have bought into the system and are stepping up. They have veterans, you know, like Draymond Green. Um, they just, uh, Andre Iguodala. They just have all these veterans that know their roles. And here's the crazy part. Clay Thompson and James Wiseman, who will probably instantly be inserted into their starting lineup, aren't even back yet because they're hurt, and it's just ridiculous. There is a possibility that Steph Curry could be breaking Ray Allen's three-point record at some point this week. I believe he's seven three-pointers away from breaking the record. And if he only hits three or four over these next two games, there is an opportunity where he breaks the record at TD Garden, the same place where Ray Allen broke the record when we were playing the Lakers. Pretty crazy. So you can beat the Bucs. I do believe that. A lo- the defense is going to be the most important part. You're going to have to hit shots and play defense. The Warriors game, oh, you're just going to need to pray. I'm literally like Bon Jovi living on a prayer. Saturday night versus the next 7 p.m. 7 p.m. game. This game was supposed to be at like 8.30, national TV, the whole nine, but both teams have sucked so much this year that they moved the time of the game and it is no longer a national television. Pretty crazy, right? Fournier hasn't been that great for them. Kemba has now been benched. Going into Sunday's game, they've lost seven out of their last ten. If the Celtics lose all three games this week, folks, I I hope the team and the front office are prepared to hear some bad, 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 bad things about this team. It won't be good, especially in this market, and I pray it's not focused on Tatum. I pray because if he hears some shit and he doesn't like it and he wants out, I don't know what I'll do. I just don't know what I'll do. But the Knicks are not playing well. They're not. Sure, every once in a while, they'll have a shooter that gets going. Hopefully, it's not Evan Fournier. Hopefully, it's um, not Emmanuel Quickly. Hopefully, it's not Derek Rose. Julius Randle really hasn't been the same player as he was last year. The Knicks game is winnable. The Bucks game is winnable. The Warriors game, oh boy, I don't know. You're going to need someone to have to literally run the Boston Marathon to cover uh, Steph Curry. And I don't know who's going to do that, especially if Marcus Smart is sick. So, that's going to be pretty crazy, but... That's it for episode 144 of the Banner Banter Podcast. Thank you all so much for listening. I really and truly do appreciate it. Um, you can find me on the Twitter machine at Banner Banter 18 or on Facebook and Instagram at Banner Banter Podcast. And we'll see you next Monday for episode 145. Thanks again for listening. Happy holidays. We'll talk soon. Toodles and noodles. X's and O's. Bye-bye. Sorry, but I'm gone. I'm history. And I dedicated my life to the Boston Celtics. I dedicated my life to the fans of Boston. I did my very best to please each and every one of you. Good night.